0: I am reaching out because here in Quebec, I started a project that is going to be meeting Zoom meetings for survivors because we don't have that in my country.
1: We're talking about suicide, so this may not be a good fit for everybody. Please take this into account before you listen. I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. Please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com or on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. And as always, I want to thank all of our attempt survivors who have joined me on this podcast to share their stories so openly and so bravely. And to everybody who listens, we started this podcast back in July and we have had more and more listeners in more places. So thank you, I really appreciate it. If you wanna help out in some other ways, hey, please let people know about this podcast. If you listen on Apple, rating, reviewing and subscribing help. It helps other people find the podcast. And if you'd like to make a one-time or ongoing financial contribution, I'll put a link in the show notes To our Patreon page. Today, I am talking with Elodie. Elodie lives in Quebec, Canada, and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Elodie. Elodie. What a cool name.
0: Thank you. Thank you. It's Canadian.
1: It's a Canadian name?
0: I think it is. Well, you pronounce it Elodie, but, you know, it's fine. Elodie. Yes.
1: How is that? that? Elodie?
0: It's fine. Either way, it's fine.
1: Okay. (laughs) Okay. How did we connect? Do you remember?
0: I actually went on a Facebook page and I saw that you were interviewing people. I actually went and found your WhatsApp.
1: (laughs) That's right. That's not a common thing. It was really interesting that you found that. I'm glad you did. And uh, can you share with whoever might be listening to this, right? What you shared with me in terms of why you reached out and what sort of situation you're in of, of late.
0: Yeah. yeah actually the 11th of May uh, the 11th on last month actually I tried to kill myself I took a lot of pills, a lot of wine actually uh, I took four bottles and uh, I drank them so fast all I remember actually was I screamed from the top of my lungs I said if you exist you have to prove it because right now my life, is not worth living and i cannot do this anymore i i want to die please i begged for dying mm. yes i never i never prayed that much i i'm not a religious person but right now i am indeed a religious person because god proved me that this day he was with me really yes
1: All right. So, of course, I want to know more about that. You had said, so you, if you can make some sense of sort of what led up to that. Yes. That day. But before then, can you tell me what you mean when you say God, I believe you said God saved you. Was that your words?
0: Yes, it was actually because my heart stopped two times and uh, I had arrhythmia, real bad arrhythmia, because I took a lot of pills. Mm-hmm. I was overdosing mm-hmm. and uh, I, I drank too much for my weight. So I was in a coma for about two days.
1: Wow. Um, so I, I assume this was, you're in a hospital, right? You were taken.
0: Yeah. Drugs. And they had to intubi- intubate and I woke up, I was intubated. I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. I didn't know if I was um gone. I, I knew, I knew that my mind was there, but mm-hmm. I, I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. Mm. Wow. So that was scary.
1: <laughs> right. And you at that point obviously have no idea if that's going to be permanent.
0: Right. Right. The damage. And I have two boys. I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old. And actually, that scared me to the point where I I don't want to die anymore because I really like that was very close. I could have died. I could have died.
1: Yeah. How can I ask your age or age range? I'm
0: 24. And my story begins, I had a very hard journey, but mm-hmm. my life is not over yet.
1: No, clearly not. No. One, one of the things that's interesting is always like, I always wonder, I always am so curious what compels people to reach out and say, I'm not, I'm going to share what some of the stuff I went through and then follow through with it and meet, yeah. right? And they're at, now like, you're a perfect example. You're actually here talking with me yeah through the through the benefit of technology, I'm in North Carolina. You're in Quebec,
0: Quebec. Yes, I am indeed.
1: <laughs> and we're talking about something that was rather recent,
0: yes, thirty one days ago
1: right right. so so thank you. Well,
0: you're out. welcome. And actually, yeah. i the reason I wanted to speak out is because actually, where I'm from, Mm -hmm. We do have some help for um, the family of dying, not survivors, of dying or dead people that committed suicide. But actually, today I am reaching out because uh, here in Quebec, I started a project that... It's gonna be meeting Zoom meetings actually for survivors because we don't have that in my country. So that is why today I am speaking out and I wanted to talk to you about more about the project. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, wow, I, I I knew I wanted to do this podcast last year, but I I was just curious. You know what else is out there? And you're right. Whether it was on a podcast or social media groups or wherever else. Or local in you know in- person organizations there was a fair amount fortunately for loss survivors yes right and that's great I mean very good
0: It's amazing
1: right, yes, yes. but very little for attempt survivors sometimes you would find stuff kind of connected to uh, like addiction recovery, maybe a subset yes. of that but not its own thing exactly. So. so that's
0: why i actually speak with professional um in my region uh it's called the tra- travesse actually it means like it's for uh people that have suicide thoughts and mm-hmm. they do prevention okay it's a suicide crisis hotline okay and actually mm-hmm. i've been trying to call multiple times in my country um those hotlines i really try to reach out because When I got out of the hospital, actually, I wanted to talk to survivors, but I couldn't find anyone willing to speak with me or any associations. Mm -hmm. So that really, for me, that it really frustrated me because we're in 2021 and suicide. We should talk about this. Yes. But we need more survivors uh, that speak together. Or like in group chat or whatever, in like Zoom videos. Uh, so that's why today I am reaching out. So maybe right. other people will like to join me mm-hmm. in those conferences.
1: Wow. So great. That's so great. So are you comfortable going back a little bit wherever? So there's more than one story here. One of the stories or parts of the stories is how you survived and are now actually taking these kind of bold steps to create spaces for people who are dealing with this. I'm also curious, however you want to start this other part of the story in your 25, 24 years, what led up to last month?
0: Actually, uh, I have personality limit disorder. It's a very common mental issue. It's like a you're scared of talking to people. I do have generalized anxiety. I have ADHD. I have PTSD. I have mm-hmm. minor depression which is really hard for me to do all of my mom <laughs> work, if you want, mm-hmm. all the time, actually. So really what r- really triggered that uh, that feeling of helpless, it's that, I mean, I've been raped a month ago. So that is why I couldn't trust anyone anymore. So that's what happened.
1: Okay. So, and, and I don't mean to spend an unnecessary amount of time on difficult things,
0: it's
1: fine. But, but just so I'm clear, you you're, you grew up in, in Montreal. I did. Right. And you're dealing with stuff. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not minimizing. It's different <laughs> stuff. And as time goes on, for like most people, it gets harder and harder. Yes. And then you start to get some of these diagnoses, which it sounds like you agree with.
0: Yes, I agree. I do agree. I do have problems. And I'm yes. taking care of myself. But, you know, it's, yes.
1: Uh, about six years ago, you have your first child. Yes. And then not that long after you have a second child. Exactly. And mothering is difficult from what you're sharing. Like it is for most people, right? So you you were assaulted last month and around the same time you tried. Yes. Do you attribute it to the assault or, and, or, because you said something else, you had no one to talk to about it.
0: No, I couldn't. I, I never felt like I could.
1: So if you had people that you could trust that were people you could talk to about, do you think that may have helped you not try?
0: Yes. And I mean, alcohol is a very, very dangerous thing for me because, I mean, I was 13 years old when I began to drink. Mm -hmm. And at 17, I found out I was pregnant. So I stopped drinking. I was not pregnant at that time, but I was drinking heavily again and again. So if I wouldn't have a drink that night, I wouldn't even consider it kill myself. I would have hurt myself with knives and all of those stuff, which Mm I I did at the time. But I never tried to kill myself ever. I was thinking about it, but I never committed.
1: So what do you think was different about that night? Because so you're drinking, but it wasn't the first time you drank.
0: No, exactly. But I was feeling depressed a lot that night because my kids were gone, because I was thinking about the assault, uh, because I didn't have friends, because Mm -hmm. I I was feeling so alone. It's like I couldn't breathe anymore. I couldn't speak. I couldn't talk. I never felt like I could have speak to someone that actually would have understand what I was going through. So that's why I'm looking for survivors to speak to because I know there's a lot of people right now that listen, that feels maybe the same way.
1: Yeah. That just makes it so clear. There's bad stuff that happens, but there's also the thing about not being able to talk about it. Exactly. And most people, I don't want to suggest ever anything, all all people, a lot of people would probably not try if they had people in their lives. I think I'm going to add something to what you said, not just to talk to, but to talk to in a way where they feel like this person isn't judging them. Exactly. And isn't doing all the things that are so often done, even by people who care about us, that sort of invalidate, right? Yes. And there's a long list of those things that we do, like we've tried to fix them and we try to diagnose them and this and that. I wonder, do you think survivors are prob- are, are more likely to be better listeners? Because what you've all gone through, uh,
0: the association actually that I submitted my project project to, uh, they actually told me they do have some um, some papers stating that they finished their school, they have the needs, they, they know what they're doing, but maybe you know maybe this person didn't commit suicide. So I mean, uh, hotlines for crisis and all of these stuff is very good, but if you don't live it, if you didn't do it, or if you didn't try, it, I do think maybe it's a little bit less easy for that person to understand why. Mm-hmm. And I'm not judging them. I'm just stating that maybe it could uh, be a little trigger for them to understand, to accept, to not judge. It's okay because every people is different. And now it it's fine. But It's just for us survivors, I mean, to accept what we did, sometimes it's kind of hard to explain that to our family again and again. They don't, well, mine, actually, they did understand that I, I talked to them and I said, do not treat me any different because I did that. I don't, I don't want that just because it's going to be harder for me to survive after that. If you, if you're treating me differently now, because I did that. I don't want to feel like I'm that little fragile thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's what I told my family.
1: And how did they respond to that?
0: Uh, Actually, the first time that I called, um, my mom actually had a phone call from the ambulance to the police, and they found me in my bath unconscious. So the first person was my mom.
1: You you called her when you were that night?
0: I, I sent her a text. I said, I'm about to do something stupid. Call 911 because I'm not going to do it. My mom never has her phone with her, okay? Mm-hmm. If the ambulance were not there, I would have died.
1: So the ambulance got there fa- fairly soon after that?
0: Five minutes.
1: Wow, that is very quick. Good. Yes. And they take you to the hospital, and you had said that you were in a in a coma for two days. And who else knows other than your mom? I'm thinking about your children or other family or friends.
0: My ex knows it. The father of the children, mm-hmm. um, my dad, mm-hmm. my sister, which I don't talk to her. You know, like uh, there's a lot of people that knows what happened, but not a lot of people know why. That's the thing.
1: And now more people will know why.
0: Exactly. Like, I mean, it's, a, it's some fine
1: <laughs> Sometimes I think it's easier to tell people who don't know a, like strangers, than family and friends. It's different.
0: Exactly. Well, you know, today I, I wanted to reach out and I'm here for that. And I'm not hiding anything. And I'm ready to talk whatever it needs to be said. Because yeah. I, it has to come out.
1: What else about what led you up to that do you think is something people who are hearing this who might be in a similar space, you know, what else do you want to talk about with respect to? Because I always think people that hear this, a lot of them, whether they've tried or they're thinking about it or they're just down or however they find the podcast, they want to feel less alone. And so I always ask people or often ask them. You know what about your experience? Do you think sort of overlaps with people's who might be hearing this? So you shared some stuff. I'm just wondering, sort of an open ended question of: Is are there other things you want to share about? The reason? Yeah, yeah, the reason what led up to it. The yeah.
0: Well, it's a good thing that you are uh, sitting down right now because actually, <laughs> I'm sitting. Um, yeah, you are. Um, I've been cutting myself since almost 10 years. I have anorexia, bulimia for about 10 years. Mm. Uh, I've had mental depression, chronic depression since I'm about 17 or 18. Uh, I suffered a lot from heartbroken and rapes and because I actually been raped two times in Mm. almost two years. So my life was very... Actually, really hard for me to, to continue like that. So, I mean, that was the bottom line. Like that night, I could have cared less what was going to happen to me. I said to myself, if, I, if I'm not waking up, it's because there, there's going to be a reason for that. And right now I woke up. My first thought when I woke up that morning was, fuck, I missed myself. I'm not dead. I was mad, but that nurse actually looked at me and she opened the windows. The sky was so blue. The birds were more, more beautiful. The wind was smelling better. Uh, the colors were more bright. I And then I felt lucky to survive my, my suicide attempt about the fifth day. After I woke up. Mm. And the first time. Because I was in the psychiatric unit. For about two weeks. Uh, when when I got out. The first time that I felt. Um, the air on my skin. I said to myself. That's the last time. That I'm going to try that. Mm. Because I felt lucky. And actually now I'm praying. Morning. And the night before going to sleep. Um, Before eating, uh, I'm considering myself very, very, very lucky. I mean, if you can see it, I got a satanic tattoo on my... I thought, I really thought that all people were bad because of my past. So actually, it's kind of a weird situation because right now I am praying. It's very, uh, a weird situation for people that listen, but I didn't believe I, I didn't, but now I do. There is there is something because I could have died.
1: Yeah, and people won't be able to see this, but I'm going to share this with them if it's okay. So Elodie has a, sort of an upside down cross as a tattoo, which I think is a sort of satanic image. And then a few inches away on a necklace is that same cross upright which I think is something that you've just recently started wearing. Yes. Yeah. And that was after you were saved.
0: Yes. After I I got out of the psychiatric hospital, I went And, and bought the necklace.
1: And so some people would be like, all right, I got lucky. Really lucky. Right. Yeah. If they wanted to live. I mean, if they didn't want to live, maybe they'd say they were unlucky, but you're saying no, it wasn't luck. It was some sort of, I'll, I'll use the word divine intervention. That's one way to put it, right? Something from above, inter, inter, in, you know, uh, stepped in. So
0: I think it was.
1: And until that point in your life, you had did not believe or you had stopped believing?
0: I never believed mm-hmm. ever in my life because all I've, all I've knew was suffering, abuse, traumatic episodes, rejection. In abandonment, I felt so alone, and I'm actually writing a lot of music. So, yeah.
1: Given all that, though, you had never tried before.
0: Uh, Before, I was near the coma because I was drinking too much.
1: A different kind, sort of a slow suicide, right?
0: Um, I mean, that was the 28th December of last month. They found me in the street have conscience because i drank too much alcohol.
1: Wow, that's a lot. I was pain.
0: about to die. So
1: <laughs> I mean, do you think that was a different way of killing yourself?
0: I think that uh it was an unconscious, but yes, i do think i do think yes.
1: So when you are when you're younger, uh would you would you ideate? Would you think about it but just not do it? Yes.
0: Or yes, yes, yes. Yeah. The longer that i remember, I was 13 years old and i actually put a belt around my neck and I was tidying it up because mm-hmm. I wanted to die. That's the last thing I remember about my youngest days.
1: Do your kids know what happened?
0: No. All they know is that mommy had some issues and that they she needed to, get, to talk to a doctor about it. And that's all they know.
1: So this is gonna probably be a tough question. Yes. Does it kind of, I'm speaking sort of loosely here, freak you out, thinking about how close things came to them not having you around, not having their mom?
0: Yeah, it was really hard. Actually, that night, I was really, really intoxicated. And you know, you got like a calendar in your phone. Mm -hmm. I actually wrote uh, on all of their birthdays, happy birthday. I left many messages messages and uh, all of my passwords. And I actually signed my, um, my card for the organs donations. But yes, not seeing my kids is the most hardest thing. I mean, I've cried more because I was missing my kids at the hospital than the actual situation.
1: I'm going off of some things that other people have shared with me, uh, particularly women, young women who have children, who I've talked to for this podcast. Did you think in some way that their lives would be better without you in it? No. Okay.
0: No, I'm a good mom. I'm the best mom that I've known. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing. I know what not to do because some of my past was related to drugs. So, I'm yes, I'm a very good mom.
1: I have no doubt. Yes couple things. One, I'm wondering, because this is rather recent, at some point after you get out of the hospital, which is, again, last month, you decide to start this project. Yes. Is that an epiphany or is that something that you've been sort of thinking about for a while and then because of what had happened, you just took action?
0: Actually, when I got out of the hospital, I went online and I searched for survivors and I couldn't find anything. I've called many places and I couldn't find anything mm-hmm. and that frustrated me a lot. They didn't even gave me some papers to like what to do after, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was I was kind of left by myself, left alone with my thoughts and it really frustrated me because I couldn't find anything, I couldn't talk to anyone and I felt very much alone. So I went and looked online what and how to start a project like this
1: when they let you out of the hospital. And this is not a indictment in any, in any way of the, the hospital, but when they let you out, they didn't like, what did they tell you? Like drink water, get sleep, see your therapist. What did they tell you to do? Cause if not, if nothing I might try again. I mean, what's changed in your life, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, they actually gave me antidepressants, which were helping a lot. Mm -hmm. and they still do (laughs) yeah so i'm seeing a a therapist actually because i have ptsd because of my attempt uh sometimes i'm closing my eyes and i can see myself dying in the bath Mm. so and the bath is inside of my house the house that my kids live in the bath that i need to take care of my kids and i have to wash them in that in that bath Mm -hmm. So when I got home, the first thing that I did, actually, I opened the door and I went on my knees and I cried like I never cried before because I never thought I would have seen this home again. So I cried. That was like a shock. So I had to take um, a pill, actually, to calm me down. And then I took a trash bag and I went in that very bathroom and I took everything out and I put that in the trash. Actually I talked to my therapist about repenting the walls of that bathroom. It's very hard for me to do because I'm not there yet. I'm not I'm not healed completely. I mean it's been thirty-one days. So right. Right.
1: um
0: but I mean I've made some progress. Mm. A lot for of sure. progress.
1: How many people do you have in your life that you can talk to about these kinds of things? Maybe two. not as- two. Yes. You have a therapist? Yes. Who's the other? My mom. So you could talk to her about most or all of this stuff?
0: There's even stuff, I mean, that she doesn't know Mm -hmm. as we speak. But my therapist knows most of it, like 98%. Yeah,
1: it's got to be really hard for particularly parents. mm. Yes, yes. And you're a parent, so. Yes, yes. Do you think you'll tell your children one day? Yes. You will.
0: Yes, I feel. Yes. Yes, because it it should be not normal, I mean, but it should be something that we could have talked without being scared of talking like periods, like, you know what I mean? So (laughs) it should not be something to hide, but to explain so they can understand that it can happen. what to check the symptoms and all of these stuff that that like can lead you to that situation.
1: Why do you think people don't talk about this stuff?
0: Because it's a really, really, really um, hard subject. It's it? It, Yes, it is. For some people it, it can be. Yes. But not for me. I mean, I, I am talking to you right now and I'm feeling very confident and yeah. I'm happy to talk to you and help you. So.
1: I appreciate it. Yeah. And I'm sure people will hear it and appreciate it too. What do you think are some uh, myths, things that people just really don't get around? It doesn't necessarily have to be around suicide or suicide attempts.
0: Oh, I got a lot of that.
1: Ideation or just being depressed or whatever it may be. Like, how have you? What are some myths that you really want to tell people who are hearing this? Even though most people who are hearing this are probably already on board with this stuff. But yeah, like, nah, you don't understand. You don't understand. What What is some stuff?
0: Well, the first thing, I mean, when I woke up from my coma, the doctor said, do you really think it's funny? That's what he said. I'm not lying. He said, do you really think it's funny? Um, I was so high from the meds. I, I couldn't talk. I couldn't even speak. I had the freaking tube down my throat when they take it off, because they didn't know if I could have been able to breathe by my own when they took it out. uh, I I actually said, I have two kids. Do you really think I enjoy this? So, I mean, one thing that someone told me actually, when I got out of the hospital, that person didn't want to be mean, but she said, you got two beautiful kids. Why would you do this? It's not even about the kids. <laughs> Sometimes you feel helpless. I am a broken person. I am I'm, sti- I'm still am uh, mm. i'm I'm trying to to put the pieces back together that some people broke, and those kind of reflections are not helping me at all. They're putting water on the glue that's helping me to heal. Mm. That is not helping at all.
1: So to be super clear, if people are hearing this, it doesn't help when people are sort of questioning why you would make that choice.
0: For me, it didn't.
1: Right, right. We're just talking to you. It's,
0: yeah. yeah. For me, it didn't. It actually put more weight on my shoulders because I felt like at the beginning, I felt like I had almost to apologize to people for doing this. Right. And I could have, I could have think straight anyways. So,
1: Yeah. Because when someone asks, why would you do that? Or do you think it's funny? There's a, there's just judgment all over that.
0: I felt like it was. Yes. Hmm. Yes. Someone actually told me that that's the funniest one. Okay. Someone actually told me you found something. How do they say that? You found a permanent solution for temporary problems.
1: Yes. We've heard that a lot too.
0: I was like, right. I never, I mean, I was, I was so insulted. So I was, I was saying to myself, I'm never going to talk to that to anybody else ever. That's that it. didn't help. That actually made me mad.
1: Yep. That's exactly right. What you just said is so, so true. It's that you're not only, I want to, this is me talking now to anyone listening who isn't already on board or understanding this when you say these things, you're not only putting up a sort of wall with that person, but that person may never talk to anyone again about this stuff. So you really are. I mean, it is damaging.
0: It is. It is because we need to talk. And I felt like I had no one, no one else. So I actually tried to reach out and someone told me that and it broke my heart, the last piece remaining from my heart was broke at that moment.
1: When you are, uh, whatever direction this project goes, I, I I'm, I'm feel good about it because I think you're going to demonstrate, I guess is the word, or show people, all right, this is, this is a more helpful or empathetic or even useful way to engage with people who are in this kind of pain or any kind of pain really
0: yes i feel like i feel like the place that i'm trying to build is not only for me but for other survivors because i never i never felt like i could have talked to anyone mm. i never felt like i was being listened to and the place that i'm trying to build right now for the survivors will not only be for them It's going to be for them to to reach out to someone that actually understands their pain. That's what I'm trying to build. Because Mm. for me, that's the most important thing, is that people can reach out when they need to. No judgment.
1: Yeah, one of the things about the crisis lines, which are also very valuable, but I think, of course, we want things in place to to. In in a crisis, but what about before the crisis? Right. Are you just going to wait until we get to a crisis and then we're going to call and then go through the whole thing? Or what about all the stuff before then?
0: Actually, kind of a month before I was trying to reach out to the psychiatrist because I had been prescribed antidepressants before and I was not taking them because of my anorexia. Uh, It gave me heartburns. It gave me hot flashes. I... I didn't took them. So my situation actually got worse last winter. There was not a day without thinking about jumping in front of a car outside. That was really bad. That was really, really bad. And the only thing that kept me alive was my kids.
1: How long were you in that space where you thought about it every day like that? Months? Since
0: last last December.
1: So we're talking about four or five months? Yeah. That's a long time to be that.
0: I was really miserable.
1: (laughs) Right. Did your kids have any idea that you were so uh, miserable? Of course not. So you were able to put on a smiley face for them?
0: Of course. Yes. It's easy. I mean, the day uh, when I tried to kill myself, actually that was um, at noon after the, the dinner. And that day before that morning, I went and take a walk with my friend, my only friend, actually, my only close friend near me, you know. So I took a walk with her and she didn't see anything. But deep down, I was dying. Mm. I didn't want to walk outside. I was being anxious. I I was shaking, but I was trying to not let her see that. I didn't want her to see me like this because I thought maybe she wouldn't understand what I was feeling. So after my walk, I went inside of the house and I cooked dinner and I didn't eat because I was so depressed. And then I opened the first bottle of wine and I actually drank that bottle in five minutes. And then I took another one and then another one and then another one. And then I decided that I was taking pills. So I actually dropped two pills in the sink. Okay. And uh, the doctor told me that it could have just only take two pills for me more to die. So what happened is just circumstantial. You know what I mean?
1: Or, but you've also suggested that it might not be just circumstantial. It might be higher power.
0: Yeah, I think it is. I think it is both of that. So I'm just happy to be alive, and I'm just—I would be really, really happy to being able to talk, like to a crowd of people, or I don't know, like to, to talk about my experience to, to share with others that everything is possible, even though you, even though you don't think it is. I really thought that there is nothing I couldn't do. For that, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't. I really thought. I really thought that I was alone.
1: Can I share something that might not be comfortable or popular? Yes. It sounds like, in some ways, you were alone.
0: Yeah, I was.
1: It wasn't just faulty thinking because of depression or alcohol. You were alone. Yeah. I know that's maybe not a popular thing because I hear that a lot. You're never alone. You're never alone. I don't want to be a jerk ever, right? I don't. But I want to say sometimes, you know what? That person really is alone. I spend a lot of my life alone. So when someone says, well, you know, you're not alone, I think, no, I kind of am. Yeah. That doesn't mean I need to do harm to myself. But Mm -hmm. let's just have a real conversation about my actual life or your actual life. Exactly. And alone. And it's challenging. Exactly. I'm thinking about your life. And you say that you want to talk about it you're doing it right now, obviously, or maybe to groups of people in person, and you've got this organization project that you've begun. To people who are hearing this, who are not necessarily the people who are gonna, who have tried or might try, but are people who maybe know somebody. (laughs) What would you say to people who might be in a position to support, but either don't know how or don't know what to say, don't know what to do, any ideas? I know it's a very broad question and a difficult. It's a
0: very actually, it's an easy question.
1: <laughs> Good.
0: Um, I would say call a crisis hotline and take all of the information about that people and talk about th- that people. If you're having some problems with that person and if you think that person might be in trouble, there is signs. Mm-hmm. There is signs. I mean, and then you can talk. You can call. Um, a hotline for that Mm -hmm. and then they can help you with the steps and what to say and not to say
1: for people who might be thinking about doing what you tried to do last month yeah i think this is a really tough one because you don't know them and everybody's got their own particular story with situation everything circumstances are different and, and let me back up for a second Do you think, are you comfortable with the idea that suicide is a choice people have? Or do you feel like, no, that's not a choice that you should consider?
0: It's a choice. Yeah. It's an option. Right. And you should consider it very carefully. Very carefully. But in my opinion, that night, I couldn't consider anything else. That was the only option for me. So depending on what that person might be experiencing, mm-hmm. it could escalate very quickly. Because one second I was drinking, the other one I was dying. So sometimes you feel like you don't have a choice. And sometimes you don't even, you don't even see it. Mm-hmm. it. It comes too quickly for you to see. That's what happened to me that night. It was too quick for me to even call someone.
1: This is why guns are especially dangerous, right? Because unlike pills, guns, it's just... One shot. Often, right? Often. What's the likelihood that you'll try again?
0: Zero. Zero. No, I have... Like I said, I'm a very materialistic person. I like nice things. Uh, I like buying myself nice clothes. Uh, nice purses actually, since I got out since I woke up, um I'm actually walking outside mm-hmm. and I'm in the forest. I like birds I like the sky is bluer, the grass smells good. the birds are singing, and it's beautiful the The air is more fresh. I feel like i I have a second chance right now, and I'm gonna use it as I'm going to do the more good that I can until I die naturally. That's my mission. And I my mission is to help people. And if they let me a chance, I know I can be a good person to come to because I got no judgments. Right. I'm a very free person. I, I'm never going to judge anyone. Yeah. So, no, I, no, suicide is not an option anymore. But I do get people that think is the only way. Do you have a name
1: for your organization or the project?
0: Well, in French. I know how to say that in French, but actually in English, I'm not that very good in English, but it sounds like I'm speaking fluently English, but I'm really trying here. You're doing great.
1: <laughs> what is it in French?
0: C'est, uh, association des Survivants uh, du de Suicide. How do we Association try? Association Survivor, Survivors of Suicide. ASS.
1: Mm-hmm. ASS. <laughs> that's great i actually like the way it sounds in french much better than english yes generally speaking french is just better than english I <laughs> we love french here we just romanticize french we think oh my god it's french it sounds so cool
0: yeah exactly well no
1: <laughs> uh, what else do you want to share i could probably talk about these things for hours and hours about your stuff, what you're doing, whatever you want. What else What else would you like to share?
0: Actually, there is the after suicide. You have to find something that really gets you, like music, like writing. Personally, I wrote everything on the book, every time I'm sad. And then at the end of the week, I put that paper in the bin and I burn it. So it actually helps me. Mm. Because usually I would cut myself. And I'm not doing that anymore <laughs> uh, because I started that.
1: So, really? Yes. Okay. I like that. And other than being a mom, what do you enjoy doing?
0: I actually like music. Yeah. I, write, I write a lot of music.
1: You write the music? Yes. Like lyrics or the music?
0: Yes, lyrics. Really enjoy it.
1: Is there a particular kind of music or genre that you... Uh,
0: Pop, rap.
1: Rap or rock? Rap, all right, little French rap, cool, English rap, really,
0: not French because I'm having some issues to write in French because I always wrote my lyrics in English.
1: All right, you want it? You want it? Yeah, are you confident to share any right now?
0: Right now, I do have a project that I'm working on, so I'll keep you posted.
1: Yeah, I want to hear it. And if you don't want to rap it and you just want to say it, that's cool. I think the words matter. Because I'm sure you're writing about things that are related to this, this conversation.
0: Yes, I do. And actually, my music helped me to to get off some very bad thoughts sometimes. And okay. it helps me really talk about my past because most of my problems are actually related to my past. Yeah. Yes.
1: Well, I always, I often say when I'm talking to people for this podcast, I'm glad... Although I don't love that word. Glad is the word I'll choose that uh, your suicide attempt failed. Yeah. You're you're alive. No doubt your children among others are better for it. Yes. Yeah.
0: The only thing I would say to anyone that listens is that even though you think your world is falling apart, there is always some bricks anywhere that you can find to put, to put your, your house back together. It might take some time and it may be hard to build something back up again but it's doable if you have the great resources to do it. You can put that back house together and be better. You can do it. If I did, you, ca- you can. Mm-hmm. If I did you can. Really, that's all I have to say.
1: That's enough. L-O-D in Montreal. Merci.
0: You're welcome.
1: How's my pronunciation? <laughs> Bad, right? Merci. Merci beaucoup. Mer- merci beaucoup. <laughs> okay, Lodi, stay safe. Thank you once again. And Thank uh, you so
0: much for having me today. And I hope I could uh, help a, l- a little bit.
1: You did. Thanks. Thank you so much. Okay, I'm going to say it. I'm going to pronounce this as best I can. You ready? Yeah. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir.
0: All right.
1: Bye. Bye. Have a good day. Take care.
0: Have a good day. Goodbye.
1: As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. Special thanks to LOD up in Montreal. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. Please reach out hello at suicidenoted.com or on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. That is all for episode number 57. Stay strong. Do the very best you can. I'll talk to you soon.